Welcome to the EMCC UK podcast and welcome to our three-part series on developing an NHS volunteer coaching service for cancer patients and their families. The episodes are hosted by Dr. Andrew Parsons and presented by the EMCC UK Health and Wellbeing Special Interest Group. The Fountain Centre is an independent cancer charity based in St Luke's Cancer Centre at the Royal Surrey Hospital, providing information and holistic support for people impacted by cancer. In 2014, volunteer medical coaches started to bring their expertise to patients and family members, and following positive feedback, the Fountain Centre team began to develop an integrated coaching service at the centre. In this first episode, Anne Pike, head of the Fountain Centre, and Charlotte McDowell, its founder, outline the opportunities and challenges involved in setting up the service. The discussion is facilitated by Dr. Andrew A. Parsons, a certified wellness practitioner, EMCC Master Accredited Coach Mentor, and EMCC UK Health and Wellbeing Special Interest Group Co-Lead. He was also one of the founding medical coaches who developed the Fountain Centre service. So welcome to the EMCC UK Spotlight on Health. Um, and it's a real pleasure to be introducing um, the Fountain Centre here today. We'll have a little bit of an opportunity to get to know some people over the next uh, three podcasts or so. Uh, my name's Andrew Parsons. I'm the Health and Wellbeing Special Interest Group Lead for the EMCC and one of the uh, founding coaches at the coaching service developed in the Fountain Centre. So, uh, Anne, I wonder if you could just ask you to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about the Fountain Centre. Certainly, and thank you for having me. Um, my name's Anne Pike. I'm the head of the Fountain Centre. Um, I'm an occupational therapist by background and came to the Fountain Centre about 11 years ago as part of the coordination team. And now I head up a small team of professional um, um, members of staff, um, along with a very big team of volunteers that all provide some level of support to the Fountain Centre. So the Fountain Centre is an independent charity. We're based in St Luke's Cancer Centre um, at the Royal Surrey Foundation Trust in Guildford. And our aim and our philosophy is to provide support, information, complementary therapies and psychological support to anybody affected by cancer in the local area. Um, we have a small space within the Royal Surrey um, where, where patients can come and sit and wait, um, get information and support. Um, but we also have a, a large number of volunteers that provide either complementary therapies with our complementary therapy service um, or um, counselling or coaching as part of our psychological support service. Um, we've been going 21 years um, and Charlotte is also with me on the call today um, and she was um, the founder of the Fountain Centre all those years ago. Thank you. Welcome Charlotte, it's a great opportunity just to maybe say a little bit about yourself and, and, and how you ended up founding this great institution. <laughs> Thank you Andrew, my name is Charlotte McDowell, I'm uh, uh, the information lead in the Fountain Centre and uh, enjoy the job thoroughly. We started the Fountain Centre over, over 20 years ago and it has been uh, an interesting journey 
I'm excited about uh, the fact that we have coaching in the Fountain Centre. Um, what was the stimulus to bring coaching into the centre, Charlotte? Just interested. So I, uh, um, for me, the stimulus was that we, ha we had counselling from the outset when we first started the Fountain Centre. And uh, it felt that there was a gap in the service. Um, so that, that, that was the stimulus initially, I think. Brilliant. And, and how did it start? Um, we had an amazing therapist that was volunteering for us and she was a coach by background, but she was also a complementary therapist. Um, and um, as a coach, she was also undertaking a course on um, medical coaching, um, which we were quite intrigued about um, because I think every, we'd all heard of coaching and how um, good coaching is, but you very much see it either as executive coaching or coaches working within industry or within fitness um but this was very specifically looking at working with people with long-term health conditions um and we talked uh, myself and charlotte with this wonderful therapist eugenia and actually looked at how we could implement it within the fountain center and as charlotte says you know um really just to fill that gap um whereby Patients needed some level of support, emotional support, psychological support, but counselling wasn't appropriate for them. Um, they needed something whereby they felt that um, there was somebody walking alongside them and giving them um, some tools to help them navigate through the complexities of what they were going through. Um, and so with Eugenia, um, we were able to start exploring coaching as an option. And we quickly realized that, yes, it would be something that would suit the Fountain Centre and the Fountain Centre patient brilliantly. And then she brought along you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> big shout out to you Eugenia yes <laughs> and, I, and I know in those early days we, you know we spent a lot of time uh working with a whole range of different people didn't didn't we you know staff and clients and you know other service users I guess and and how did you you know what how did you get the sense that coaching was useful for people I think first and foremost, the feedback we got from patients uh, um, was overwhelmingly positive. Um, and patients were coming back. They were compliant. They were wanting to do this. So uh, that was the evidence, really, that um, for them this was working and uh, that we needed to carry on. Yeah, I think I think I completely agree with Charlotte. Um, but also we had coaches coming in that were interested in, in, in working with this client group. And I think they themselves from their experience could see the gap and they could see the need and they could see something that they could actually offer to this client group. And I suppose maybe you as a coach could see that, you know, um, the interactions that you were having and possibly the positiveness or the positivity that you, they were receiving through having sessions with you. Yeah, it's a wonderful space to work as a coach um, because it, it it really is making a big a big difference to people, um, you know, in, in supporting them and just helping them maybe change perceptions or change their attitudes, mindsets, wherever it might be. But it, it you, yeah, I think you I think we all got the sense of how quickly this was starting to um, embed. Uh, and and as you you say, if it, if it wasn't useful. Um, I don't think people would have come back into the centre. The last no. thing you want to do post-treatment is go back into hospital. 
Absolutely. And I think also, Andrew, alongside what we were doing, there was also conversations being had at a regional and national level about coaching. And people were starting to get a bit curious about coaching and how it could potentially be used, um, you know, with the number of people um, needing psychological support um, after a cancer diagnosis, um, and also the number of people living with and beyond cancer. So, you know, things were shifting, that people were having to learn to live with a cancer diagnosis, and people were having to learn to live with the uncertainty of potentially something coming back, um, and how do they carry on with their lives and what a new normal looked like for them. So there was lots of conversations happening at a regional and national level. Um, and actually, there's a lot more organisations that are also starting to look at coaching as a really good support and approach to um, for cancer patients. How did you get acceptance of the coaching approach within the within the system, in the hospital system? Because it was, I guess at the time we started this, 2014, it was... Um, quite innovative. Absolutely. I think um, we were quite new. And when we tried to explore what was going on, um, there wasn't really much out there in terms of um, advice or guidance. So we were um, very much starting from scratch. Um, but what was really important to us was to make sure that the governance was safe um, and the governance was there in place to make it as safe as possible, both for the coach um, and for the, the patient and the carers of those accessing it. So um, being situated within a hospital, um, you know, has positive um, and negative um, issues for us in terms of governance. But for this, it was really good. We were able to work really closely with um, the medical oncology teams and also with the governance within the hospital to make sure that our policies were in place, that issues such as safeguarding, such as confidentiality, data protection, um, were all being looked at and the hospital were really um, supportive of making sure that we had everything in place so that when we were able to move forward and expand it further, there was reassurance for them and assurance for us and also for the patients and the carers that this was going to be a service that was safe um, and that would do no harm um, and that would actually be incredibly supportive whilst ticking the boxes of um, making sure that the, the paperwork and the policies etc were in the right place um, and one of the things that we did right from the beginning was to make sure that we had clinical supervision for our um, coaches um, that was really really important and that we um, offered really similar services to the counselling service so in terms of contracts paperwork um, as I said supervision um, was all in place um, to make sure it was really robust. Yeah I remember back it was kind of an exciting time actually just creating mm -hmm. all the frameworks and the policies and, and I guess they're still operating today so we pretty yeah. much yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so it was a, a good design absolutely I think the other thing Andrew is that um we have Charlotte and we have Eileen who is um she'll be talking in another podcast um and also Natalie who um have undergone training themselves in coaching um so they understand it um so having um, healthcare professionals that are part of the assessment and allocation team for for coaching, but also those that have a really good understanding of coaching, really feels as though um, they enable the 
support the patient to make the right decision about and make the right decision with the patient about what is the best for them. Um, And they're there every step of the way. Have you considered volunteering for the EMCC UK? Whether you're interested in a specific role or would like to contribute in your specialist area, there's a place for you in our team. Our volunteers do everything from writing and editing blogs, planning festivals and delivering webinars, to ensuring we have good governance in place as an organisation and everything in between. Are you curious to explore where you could add value? Would you enjoy being part of a supportive and vibrant team? Contact our helpful administration team on info at emccuk.org or visit the EMCC UK website and head to the volunteering page. So I wonder what advice you would give to anybody else trying to set up something similar with a, a coaching service for uh, uh, people with chronic or long-term <laughs> conditions. I, I think don't hesitate. Give it a go. Um, and ensure that you've got all the uh, uh, safeguards in place. And um, for the benefit of the patient, it's... Uh, um, well, I'd say it's a no-brainer, really. <laughs> you have to go for it. <laughs> um, partly because the, you know, um, certainly in my, it feels like, um, and I may be wrong here, so you have to, uh, but, uh, but it feels like men respond much better to to coaching. So, uh, so it's a space for men uh, um, to take part without uh, too much pushing from carers and spouses yeah it's a different offer isn't it to go and to go and have a chat with a coach rather than go and have a, a chat about your emotional i think it's it feels safer i, I and and I, I don't want to be uh, uh, sexist about it but it feels safer for men to do it that way mm. For the most part, anyway. Interesting, isn't it? Because I think the the demographic of people who use the centre is probably ma- the majority female, but um, but significant number of 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 um, male clients, and at least uh, I think over the last few years. I think also, Andrew, that you know, if somebody is interested in in starting, as Charlotte said, absolutely go for it. Um, you know, coaching is going to have a significant role to play in. Um, healthcare in the future Um, you know whether that is looking at behavioral change to support people to engage in healthier lifestyles um, to looking at people's well-being um, and now you know there's a real emphasis on prehabilitation and rehabilitation so that is really looking at making sure patients are physically but also psychologically in a really good place to be able to engage in whatever their treatment might be and when you're looking at working people with cancer or long-term health conditions you know you you need to make sure that you're not just treating the physical side you're very holistic in the way that you approach that support and I think coaching will have a huge place um, in the future of um, health and well-being um, for 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 everybody um and that you know we're we're you know looking at how we expand our services now and we can talk about it in later podcasts but you know there's the whole point of working with children you know and actually working with patients way beyond um you know them finishing cancer but they're still dealing with the impact that has this is you know cancer 
uh, you know, impacts people, you know, potentially for long times. I think Macmillan said that um, over 50% of patients will still have at least one psychological problem up to 10 years after their diagnosis. Mm. So that level of adjustments that's needed for a patient to be able to cope and live um, and live well, you know, yeah. you, you can see how important coaching could be. And I know from, you know, the, the research that, you know, I, I did when I did my master's, it's, it, th- this also occupies itself in the workplace as well. It's just an important mm-hmm. area to help people sort yeah. of readjust. And, um, you know, I've heard it described, it's, it's almost like all the, you know, you know, if our life was a jigsaw following treatment, it's, you know, everything gets thrown up in the air and it's about sort of re trying to sort of set the pieces and, and you know, to be able to live well and, and get on with, with things and get on with your life. Mm-hmm. Seven years on, um, what surprised you the most from setting up this coaching service? I mean, I, I think instinctively I knew it would be a better fit for a, a few of our, well, more than a few of our patients. So I'm not sure. Um, I suppose I was pleasantly surprised at the number of men who were very quickly wanting to take it up. I think for me, um, I think the longevity of our coaches in terms of how long they've been with us, that um, sometimes you'll, you'll find with other people, they'll come, they'll have done their training. They want another um, string to their bow, you know, it's, it's, and, and they move on. And actually I think it's coaching um, creates a wonderful community and a very supportive community, if that's the way to describe them as a community, but they're incredibly supportive of each other. Um, and they they work together as a team and they are um it's a nice way of looking or it's a nice um team that they have that they really support each other and it goes beyond supervision it's always about sharing ideas and sharing support um I don't know how to describe it. it's, it's just not competitive um and that's actually a really lovely thing it's about um, the service and the person and the patient is always at the heart of anything that's that's discussed, um, and it really com- it just shows that it really complements what the com- what the Fountain Centre stands for, because um, it's a very supportive group. Um, not that that surprises me, because they're all <laughs> lovely individuals, but it's it's how they come together and actually um, support each other and support the Fountain Centre. The other bit that surprises me is how versatile it is and how it fits into so many different aspects. So, um, you know, we, we, we might be talking to somebody about exercise and, you know, the, there'll be a bit of coaching that goes on there. Or we're talking to somebody about, you know, planning to um, have a hospital appointment and, you know, some coaching could be used there or, you know, scan anxiety, you know, and you could apply some coaching there going back to work and, you know, you can apply some support and coaching there, you know, um, anything around communication. So it is so versatile. Um, I think the coaches are incredibly skilled to be able to um, almost deal with any situation it gets thrown at them. Um, But actually, the level yeah the, the versatility i think um and how how often it can be used in so many different situations um mm. and how us as a team we've all got a level of coaching skills now that you just apply instinctively when you're talking to a patient now um you know 
that probably we weren't doing before um, or we weren't doing it so um, obviously before. Consciously. Consciously. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think that's the great thing about coaching, isn't it? Because we don't have any of the answers. No. But we help people explore. And that's... Um, Absolutely. And, and find it themselves. So brilliant. Thank you so much both for your time. And um, look forward to our, our next next episode. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the EMCC UK. Together, our aim is to promote good practice and the expectation of good practice in coaching, mentoring and supervision. To learn more about the EMCC UK and to find out about membership, accreditation, events, CPD opportunities and learning resources, visit emccuk.org. And remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a future episode.